0: Welcome to a Nerdy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Tim, and joining me, as always, is my host, co-host, Scotty. <laughs> yes, that's
1: your host today. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the invite. I'm here. We're
0: equal hosts. You know, you're my boy, especially for the NBA. I mean, we're now sitting here on, was it, June 13th, uh, 2023. The Denver Nuggets, after 47 years, have finally won their first NBA championship. Now, we probably weren't too surprised when the Miami Heat beat the Celtics that the Nuggets were the ones to come up on top, especially in five. But if we rewind back to April, when we were talking, the Bucks, Celtics, 76ers, Warriors, and the Suns all were ahead of them. So how do you Mm -hmm. feel now, Niko Jokic, the clear number one player in the NBA, Big boy that doesn't even want to go to the parade on Thursday. He just wants to go straight home, get on his horsey. What are your instant reactions? Where do you want to start?
1: Uh, you know, let's start with the, the Nuggets. We'll start with the, the happier side, like the winning team, because uh, I don't want to take anything away from them. Um, you know, a lot of people I feel like are going to be like, "Oh, well, we knew they'd beat the Heat and all that stuff," but you know, I don't want to take They were a dominant playoff team. They went sixteen and four. Mm-hmm. every other team that's gone that's had four losses or less in the past 40 years 40 years has been a dynasty <laughs> so if you look at that that projects well for them in the future like absolutely they dominated the playoffs and it's easy to look back and start nickpicking, but you mentioned some of the team mentioned they played phoenix who was the number one team according to vegas coming out of west and they dominated them if i know, it went six games for what it's worth I, that was yep. the the biggest blah I've ever seen of a six game series. It felt like mm-hmm. a sweep because they just trashed them. And the two games they lost were close games where Booker and Durant were playing like it was LeBron and Michael on the court at the same time. So I think they handled them pretty easily. You know, they rolled through Minnesota, you know, gave up game four, maybe a little last days go after going up three nothing. They swept the Lakers, which actually felt more competitive than Phoenix, even though it was a sweep, but they swept them. And they beat Miami in five. They only lose one home game the entire playoff stretch. Uh, you know, this is a dominant playoff team. I'm not saying it's like the best team ever, but they actually rank pretty well as one of the better teams in the past 40 years. I don't like to go back. We don't really go back much farther than like three-point line. That's 84 but mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. Hold on. <laughs> uh <clears throat> So like, I, I want to give Denver really credit here. And I also in a way want to not take away from Miami because even though they got beat, uh, pretty bad is what it feels like in the end. Like Denver swept the Lakers. Like I said, they crushed Phoenix, like North of to first round Minnesota. So I don't think it like in your immediate reaction might be like, Oh, Miami's not that good. Or was Denver, just really good. Like underrated. We didn't give them enough credit. Uh, probably because of the disappointing playoffs, maybe last year after being, you know, or the year before, maybe we were a little hesitant. But they, they were a great team. Uh, and I'm really happy for Jokic. You know, he gets his flowers. A lot of people gave him flowers ready, but now he can really, he can take that weight off his shoulder. You know, it reminds me, you can look at LeBron, you can go to Jordan before that. And I'm not saying he's in that category, but mm-hmm. it's so much nicer when you have a great player, a Hall of Fame type player, an all-time player. If they can get that championship sh- off their shoulder, so they can almost like, whew, take a breath. Like, you know, that Giannis just a few years ago before he won, we started to question, Like, oh, yeah, but he doesn't have the ring. You know, we do that. We get a player. The first couple of years, we celebrate them. They become a superstar. And then once they become a superbar, we give them maybe two years of superstarism. And we say, hmm, where's your ring? You don't have a ring? You're not any good. So it's nice that he could take that off his shoulder. He can relax. He doesn't have to worry about the constant questions that maybe Embiid has, Harden has, some of these other players. He say, okay, I'm a championship. Now I can just roll. And nobody can question, like, oh, You have everything but this. He can really go down. As at this point, I think he'd have to be an Mm -hmm. undisputed best player in the league right now. And that's a trophy by itself to have. I mean, we've only had a dozen, less than a dozen of those in the history of the NBA. So even to hold that title, if he even holds it for one year, is like a big deal.
0: Yeah. I think there's so many threads uh, we could go down right now, whether it's Jamal, sorry, Jamal Murray's injury history you know, missing literally 555 days because of a torn ACL back in April 2021. Cool. That's tough. If you look down at their list of players that were playing last year just for the Nuggets, like, you had Jeff Green as one of their biggest minutes per game guys. You had, uh, you know, Will Barton was number two. You know, <laughs> it was wild. Bodes highlights like, Jokic doesn't give me the ball enough. I want to get on another team. Good for you, man. Ish Smith could take your role, he's happy to get his first title after 13 years with 13 teams. Jeff Green, 15 years, 12 teams, finally gets a championship. You know, Aaron Gordon was the best player on the Magic and isn't the number one leading scorer type of guy, even though in game four he he became that guy, but that's not what his role is. This team is historically great, potentially. Um, maybe they got robbed, and, and Jokic, specifically, I want to focus on him. This is a man that averages a triple-double, and we don't even blink. I just expect it. I think he had, what, like 16? Like, it was just insane. So... Going back to your dynasty uh, conversation there, it was the 2017 Warriors were 16 and one. 2007 Spurs were 16 and four. The 2001, 2002 Lakers were 16 and four. And then in 1999, you only needed 15 wins. That was the Spurs. They won 15 and four because the first round was only three wins. So you're talking about Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker. Greg Popovich, then you have Kobe Bryant, Phil Jackson, Shaq. These are elite players. Then you have the golden state warriors, Draymond green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry and Steve Kerr, man, has I think nine championships between being a coach and a player between Pat Riley, Greg Popovich and, and Steve Kerr, Eric Spoelstra's in that category. So maybe, you know, Jimmy Butler could be that guy eventually. Um, And that links to another thread where we were talking a few podcasts ago about Jimmy Butler being the 30th overall pick. And then we were trying to figure out who was the best second-round pick ever. And it didn't come to my mind that Nikola Jokic was a second-round pick. And that's very likely why it's taken us so long to give him his flowers because we're like doubting, doubting, doubting. Artie's just Russell Westbrook triple-double numbers where it's just pad step-padding. But I think, I mean, if you look at the guys, they're literally the opposite type of players, the opposite type of people. Russell Westbrook's an LA guy, a flashy guy. Nikola Jokic doesn't even want to wait three days to celebrate. Doesn't even want to wait. All he wants to do is give kudos to his team. And the number one thing that really shined on uh, or shined out to me last night was the Denver Nuggets won the championship. Jimmy Butler is walking off the court. And the first thing Nikola Jokic does is celebrate with, well, congratulate or congratulate or give kudos to Kevin Love. Bam, all the Miami Heat players. He went up to all of them before celebrating with his team. And when he got the MVP trophy, barely wanted to touch it. And when he was sitting in the locker room drinking those Nikola he looked like he was just this like awkward guy at a party that knows nobody. He's <laughs> the MVP of the team. He is the leader of the team. But he doesn't want any of the light. And honestly, none of these guys really do. You know, Aaron Gordon was like dancing around like he's J.R. Smith with his shirt off like through the streets of Denver. But he's definitely not like this flashy kind of guy, you know. It's not a situation where like LeBron James wins it for Cleveland and is crying and bawling his eyes out. Like I'm sure this is something Nikola Jokic wanted to do. But when everybody's constantly saying like, oh, what, what else does he have to prove? Like Manchester City won, you know, the Champions League title and they won the treble, which is Champions League title, Premier League title, and FA Cup. So Pep Guardiola is the first guy since, you know, Manchester United to do that. That's a historic, relevant thing. And everybody's like, okay, what else does he have to prove? Why doesn't he just do a Ted Lasso thing and come and, and coach the New York Giants in American Football League? You know, I know I'm going all over the place here, but like Mm -hmm. it really grinds my gears when people are constantly like trying to project what somebody wants from their life. And I love when a guy like Nikola Jokic comes in and it's like, look, I'm going to be me. I don't want this limelight. He's almost like a Bill Belichick type of guy where he's going to be super boring at the press conference even though we find his quirky humor now uh, appealing likely because he's successful. And once you get that championship, once you're the number one of 30 teams, we finally give you those flowers, but he doesn't care about that. And Jimmy Baller's also that kind of guy also a different type of personality, but he's, he doesn't even want to go to the hall of fame uh, ceremony. If he becomes a hall of famer, you know, somebody interviewed him the other day and was like, Hey, Dwayne Wade's going to be hall of famer. Do you ever project you will be a Hall of Famer? What would you do when, you know, you do that? He's like, I don't care about that. I'm about team victory, team victory. And that's a Nikola Jokic type of guy. He doesn't care about these MVP awards. Joel Embiid was, you know, blasting on Twitter for years over years over years. And he finally got it. Good for him. I wanted to bring up one thing, though. And then we'll go back to Nikola Jokic, and I'll flip it to you. Joel Embiid. People were saying was going to be the player of like the best player to the league type of thing, right? The Ringer still has him as number four. I think is absolutely insane. You know, going into the season, it was in my eyes Jokic, Steph, Giannis, KD, top four, and I wanted to see what those boys would do. KD had a wild year, going from your Brooklyn Nets to the Suns, and we can't really. diminish him i'm curious well i think this will be honestly a multiple part podcast depending on how much time you got there's so many things we could talk about plus we took a week off for our birthdays by the way nerdy sports Mm -hmm. audience like scotty and i like our birthdays are on june 6th for scotty and june 7th for mine and we're a week later today so we were both on vacation last week so thank you for being patient thank you for coming back and joining us today and i'm a little under the weather today just to be full disclosure but i think it's apropos still wearing the red For my Miami Heat, I think, you know, Jimmy Butler was absolutely god-awful in that last minute, and I'm trying to power through like he tries to power through, but can we just get that boy some Damian Laird? That's all I have to say, but what was I saying, Scotty? We were talking about Joel Embiid, and then I'm going to flip it to you, and you can talk about whatever you want. So Joel Embiid, game seven versus Celtics, 15 points, eight rebounds, mediocre. Every single coach, including... Doc Rivers, now that he's fired, he was on the Bill Simmons podcast literally yesterday, talking about the uh Denver Nuggets championship. You know, he said it was extremely hard to coach James Harden. Yep. Specifically because of his uh inability to run like Steph Curry, his inability to get off the ball move around and get the ball back. It takes a lot of effort to go time over time over time. And we saw that with Jimmy Butler. And that's why I ranted a little bit about Jimmy Butler, where he went 13 points in a row, but then that last minute he had zero energy, literally nothing, couldn't give any inch more. But our boy, Joel Embiid, 15 and eight in game seven, while Tatum had 51 13 rebounds, five assists, two steals. Absolute monster of a game. That's an elite player. Jason Tatum may be top five. Joel Embiid's barely top 10. The Ringers got to adjust their rankings, starting with Jamal Murray. Give that man some flowers and lower Joel Embiid a little bit here. But, Scotty, I want to flip it to you. I just went off on a rant like I always do talk about whatever you want whether it's nico Jokic, jamal Murray, or anybody you want to talk about take the take the runs
1: all right um i not think i think it'd be a little hard under all just, no. just a little bit There's <laughs> you- right, go, go. a moment uh because i think that uh you have to say he's had doc rivers who was went from a like a really popular coach coming from boston to now he's getting a reputation he's more of Choker, sorry, I don't want to be mean, but I disagree so with a little list. bit there.
0: But so okay. and go ahead.
1: I think it'd be harder for you to disagree then with the whole James Harden's playoff reputation. I I do think that's a tough one. And look how good Jokic is. We're we're all saying he's the best player in the NBA. That he had trouble last year without Jamal You need a second player. And I feel like the Harden, NBA thing just doesn't work. So, and finally, I'll give him a little sure. more credit. Remember, he did injure his knee against Brooklyn. So he was not 100% in the series. That being said, I, I, where I'll agree with you is if you look at his playoff career, yeah. his numbers tend to go down. Like not like hard and down, but his numbers take a dip where you look yeah. at, you know, Jimmy Butler is the best example of a player that <laughs> takes him up a notch. You know, he's, uh, there's really no direct comparison at, of a player like him that I could think of where it's like regular season, he's good, but, you know, he's just a good player. And then the, the playoffs come... And suddenly it's like, oh, is he top three maybe or something? Is that you know, something crazy? Uh, although I think, funny enough, I think you could see a little bit of Jimmy Butler in Jamal Murray. You look at his regular season stats to his playoff stats. There's mm-hmm. a little bit there, not as not as drastic, but he takes it up. His regular season stats, off the top of my head, I think he's about 20 points, six assists in the playoffs. He was doing 26 and seven. It's a pretty big upgrade, and That's exactly in the finals, it. he was doing. Uh, I think 21 and 10, which, mm-hmm. by the way, has only been done by Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, and LeBron James. Those are the only other three players that have ever done a Finals 2010.
0: Potentially the top three guy. players ever. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: like, if you look at it, I, it's not as quite as drastic, but he's on the path. Like we'd like to look at past. If he continues, and remember, in the bubble, I think it was where he was dropping 40 dimes, like a couple times. Uh, he, then he got injured, missed a couple seasons that terrible injury you mentioned. But if yeah. you look at Jamal Murray, he's got a little bit of Jimmy Butler, in it. a little bit of regular season. He's good, solid player. Should be an All Star, even though he mm-hmm. hasn't yet, ironically. And then yeah. it's like in the playoffs, standing like, oh, is this guy like top fifteen? Maybe better. Yeah, uh, I see a, a little bit in there, and that's what you want a player because you wanted Jamal Murray the same way you want Jimmy Butler. You'd really rather have the player that comes to playoffs becomes better. Than the James Harden player, the guy that gets to the playoffs, and their stats dip because this is the NBA. We all know in the regular season, there's about 20 games for each team, if not more, where it's like in Orlando on a Thursday in January, nobody's watching, and you have a random player conduct drop 40. Like it just happens. We know it is the NBA. We all know it's no secret. Players take nights off, whether it be yep. you know, resting or just kind of half-assing it. They could be, you know, they got the uh, what do they call it, the South Beach, uh, South Beach flu sometimes, <laughs> you know. Players come down there. So the regular season, you know, you there's a lot of guys that can put 30 down easily, even guys that can drop 40. But I want to see where you are in the playoffs. Uh so seeing that from Jamal Murray, I mean, that's that's an amazing sign. I, you know, that's almost as good as a joke. It's not as good. It's uh it's that you got that second guy that's uh <clears throat> that can do it. And it's like I feel like Jamal Murray, obviously he wasn't the finals MVP, but in some ways he was the the almost arguably most important player. I know that sounds crazy to say, because it's like you have so much focus on Jokic, and then you have this other guy that's playing at at all, what superstar level, above all star, like really high level. Yeah. And you just can't stop that. Like you can't stop it when there's a second guy going to do that. It's like you're not prepared for that. You're you're putting all of your effort into stopping this Jokic, and then you have another guy that's playing like a superstar. So let's say his playoff stat, his final stats. You know. It, the 30-point triple-double was at game three. You're like, what do you mm-hmm. do for that? Mm-hmm. So Denver's a good spot. I love that. They're, they're young. They got all their core players in a contract, their top four players. Aaron Gordon, I think, was actually the highest draft pick of the players, ironically. And he's like the mm-hmm. three or four, depending on how you feel about Michael Porter and Juger. He said his shot was broken, well, but he doesn't care because he got a ring. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Michael Porter Jr. literally has a rod in his back, and people are saying in 2018 he could never play again. So that's a big deal, a really, really big deal. Same with Jamal Murray. You know, if it was back in the 80s, his career would be literally over. You know, he was crying to Mike Malone and being like, "Hey, are you guys going to get rid of me? Are are you going to trade me? You know, thank you for believing me. Thank you for continuing to believe that I had the heart of a lion." Like, you know. This is a well balanced team. You have Jamal Murray, who had plus 18,000 odds to lead the series in assist. Nikola Jokic was minus 20,000. So, for all those people that threw $10 are not good for you. Um, you know, Jamal Murray stepped up a notch. The most frustrating thing as a Miami Heat fan was when Nikola Jokic was on the bench. And then all of a sudden, instead of double-teaming Jamal Murray like they did when Nikola Jokic was on the court because they were afraid of that pick-and-roll offensive game, all of a sudden, they guard him straight up. And Miami doesn't have the players for that. They don't have anybody for that. Like, Jimmy Butler can't be your ball handler, your elite scorer, and your elite defender. Denver, their elite scorer is Jokic and Murray, depending on who's there. Their elite defender, at least on Jimmy Butler, was Aaron Gordon. And their elite ball handler, once again, was either Murray or Jokic, depending on who needed it. You have diversity. Miami has Gabe Vincent. Good for you. But like the second he got a he got a sick pick, like Jokic. It was when it was 10 to 6. And all of a sudden the Nuggets got on a little run. I'm like, oh man, maybe they don't have a shot. But Miami kept fighting. It was 10 to 6. And Nico Jokic picked Gabe Vincent, knocked him right to the ground. And I think his ankle flared a little. I'm like, like they need somebody better than this. Like Jimmy Butler can't be at all. Bam stepped up though. I'm really proud of Bam. I wish Kevin Love like could do something. Like I was waiting for him just to hit one three. And that's literally all they gave him. Like, but, and he couldn't even play versus the Celtics. Like this team outlasted expectations though. You know, if we reverse back a couple of months ago, they beat the Bucks and the Celtics and the Knicks. They had a great, great year. Jimmy Bowler is not going to consider this a great year, at least today. But he should be damn proud of himself. He gave his absolute all. And he turned into an elite Michael Jordan-like player versus the Bucs. Um, and then he didn't have it after he got his ankle injury. But they were still there. And they got everything out of these players. They needed 25 threes a night, though. They needed everything. And last night, what was it? Yeah. Nine for 35. That's not gonna do it. And it's okay. They still only lost by five, you know? It's not yeah. that bad. Everybody's like, they need Damian Lord. And I agree. I would like Damian Lord. I'll happily give up Duncan Robinson and and Gabe Vincent and Max Struce and a bunch of undrafted players, once again talking about expectations. You know, when you're undrafted, we have zero expectations for you. So we we want to give you all your flowers. And it's going to be a Miami Heat-like way to capitalize on Caleb Martin's MVP-like performance versus Celtics and potentially ship him off. And I I wouldn't be surprised if they did, like, a four-player three-pick for Damian Lillard type of deal. But hopefully he, you know, acts like Carmelo Anthony going from the Nuggets to the Knicks, and I was like, look, I want to go there. I don't care what you're going to do. Fleece this whole team, you know? Actually, that's the exact opposite of what I want to do. Sorry. But yeah, <laughs> not that. You want, or like that's wait the exact opposite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm damn proud of Jimmy. It was just really frustrating, especially after last year, where they were one three-pointer away in Game 7 versus the Boston Celtics for going to the NBA Finals. And then once again, they kind of ended like that again. It was the last minute where he missed that. He was going to the basket. He gets locked up and then he takes forever to pitch it out to the outside. But it was Denver's elite defense. They were there for that. They knew passing lanes, passing lanes. They had elite defense. And if you circle back one year ago, another kudos to Nico Jokic with the Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Monte Morris, Michael Porter Jr., Austin Rivers team. They were the sixth most efficient offense in the game without Murray. You add Murray. Potentially top 15 guys you mentioned, you add role players like Bruce Brown, you know about Bruce Brown as a Nets fan, like that boy, all you need for these guys is guys that could cut and hit threes. If you're actually giving effort and it's easy to give effort when you know you're going to get the ball. Austin Rivers talks about it where he's like, I missed the easiest layup of my life because Jokic gave me some incredible pass and he was surprised. He's like, oh my God, it's in my hands. I got the easiest life of my life. And he missed it just because he was shocked. But if you know, every time you give effort, there's a high probability of you getting the ball. Damn straight. You're going to hustle a little bit harder, right?
1: For sure. And um, I'll go back to, toward the beginning of what you were saying, which was
0: mm-hmm.
1: that when you have Murray and Jokic, they never sit them both at the same time, unless something crazy happens. They're both in foul trouble or they like up yeah. a ton. So you always have a strong playmaker. So the ball is always moving. It never dies. You know, some teams you take the point guard off and it's like the bench comes in and the ball kind of dies. The ball is always moving. So you're talking about players cutting Bruce Brown, Gordon, whoever. And there's always ball, but there's always somebody that could distribute, you know, that's just such an advantage that very few teams have, if any, you know, it reminds me of like when LeBron was younger and he was, I mean, he's still a great passer. but you have a point guard and LeBron, you have multiple passers. Not a lot of teams that can do that,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: a lot of people, you mentioned uh, Joel Embiid, consider him a great passing center. He averages four assists a game. Jokic averaged a triple double in the playoffs and ended with like just under ten on the regular season, so over double up by comparison. And, and yeah. Embiid is a pretty good passer. Like I'm, I'm not even taking like a bad passing center. Uh, so,
0: but that's it. You know, that's just you're comparing to the Jokic, the best player in the game, a guy who's averaging thirty, twelve, and seven in the finals.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, it's 14, one
0: of those things where it's like... 30-14-7. 30-14-7 on 58% shooting in the finals. And he led the playoffs with 600 points, 269 rebounds, 190 assists. First player in NBA history ever to do that. Leading points, rebounds, and assists throughout the playoffs. Sorry cut cutting you off.
1: Yeah, and you said ever. That's ever, ever. ever. That's, you know, <laughs> LeBron, Kobe, Jordan, Kareem, you know, whoever. That's ever, ever. You know, you really got to soak that in. That It's a crazy, impressive stat. Uh, you know, for Miami, I feel like they, uh, you know, I feel like everything matters. And I'm not saying it was their fault that they had like a, a tough regular season injuries. But I do feel like you have to wonder, because I do feel like you could make a very strong argument that they were truly the second best team in the NBA, not just a lucky team. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like by the finals, it just looked like, you know, but it could have been just the Knicks injury. But I also think it's minutes compound. It mattered they had the play to play in. I think it looked like the whole team was down to feel gassed. Jimmy certainly looked gassed. Like they were just running on fumes, you know, you know add that Denver altitude, if you will. And they would, they looked like they didn't have their legs. You look at the amount of missed shots from 3 pointers.
0: Yep, 9 for like 35, just, as I said they, before. They were just exhausted. You have
1: to wonder, mm-hmm. where Denver, they basically got the rest the last two weeks of the regular season. It was so mm-hmm. rested, so ready to go. You know, Eric Mosher did such an amazing job in Miami, but it just looked like they were running a marathon and they were on mile 24 and they were just gassed. They just, they just couldn't run anymore, where Denver looked like they were running a relay, where I was just passing up baton to the next guy. I'd be like, okay, you run the next mile. You run the next mile. They, they looked so fresh. It, 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 it looked great. I'm like, I'm like, one team just looks like they're not even tired at all. And the other team is literally like holding their, holding their pants, like yeah. tired, gasping. You know, that's what it looked like for Jimmy. Like he put in uh, this great flurry, and then that was it. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm tapped out. I, I got nothing left. Mm-hmm. It's tough to watch. You know, going back, we didn't cover uh, game four as much because we were off. Look at the last couple games. What do we got here? We got uh, Vincent and Struess, Gabe okay, Vincent and Max Struess. They were combined three for 27 from three in games three, four, and five. Ass. In games three, four, and five combined. Like, that's crazy. It's like 10%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the and I do wonder how much that maybe had to do with fatigue. Like I was just saying, like it just seemed like, you know, the clock hit midnight on Cinderella. So to say, the pumpkin time happened, Mm-mm. and they were just gassed. Um, broader picture on the NBA, I think this is great. Uh, you got a new champion, the longest I'm pretty sure champion like drought for any team. Obviously, not counting a team that hasn't won because Denver's a relatively old team. Exactly. So you know that's yeah. great, and you know. I'm a big NFL guy. We love parity. You know, we have five different champions in a row. The NBA, you don't see that that often. It's really about dynasties. And it looks like Denver's mm-hmm. got a chance to be a dynasty. But five different champions for five different years. So, is mm-hmm. coming up uh, with a lot of parity lately. Even though normally it's like, oh, it's always the same teams. Is it always the same teams? Looks a little different. Maybe the, the landscape is changing. So, I like that. And that will lead me into my question to you. There we which go. is going to be for a Dynasty act. You look at the NBA and you look at next year. Yep. Who can challenge Denver next year as currently constructed? Okay. Let's go through the list. Just to just say the teams that made the playoffs this year. I guess yeah, you, you could pick, you want to go to Spurs and say win money out. I guess you can, but just let's just go through the, the playoff teams of this year and where they are. Cause I feel like most of them are actually going down, not
0: up. We don't even have to have a pre-podcast meeting, Scotty. It's literally exactly what I was talking, uh, thinking about right before you said it. I went through the NBA tier list based on odds, right? Okay. Um, and and I I broke it down into one two three four five six different tiers from your title favorites the Denver Nuggets Milwaukee Bucks Boston Celtics Phoenix Suns and then we'll we'll talk about the rest but those are the favorites at okay. plus four sixty you got the Nuggets and the Bucks and all the way down to the Suns at plus seven hundred so those are the elite teams obviously the Heat like went above expectations they sure. still believe the bucks and the celtics are going to be those type of teams and they're thinking uh, add more chemistry add better role players and you got devin booker kevin durant two top 10 players you you should be plus 700 like that makes sense to me those yeah. are the teams according to vegas at least
1: but of those teams I'm saying i feel like most of them are actually taking a step back uh, we yeah. have like, let's like, look, look at the, the conference finals, for example. Okay.
0: We so, have the, the Lakers got a new coach. The Celtics got a new coach. The yeah. Suns got a new coach.
1: Okay. So, we have new All coaches. Of them. Those could be issues. Some of them you could, some people say, oh, it could be a positive, but you know, what? it always takes a year or so of chemistry. And if you start looking at the teams themselves, does Boston look like they're on the right path? Or if anything, you could argue going backwards. Some say it has constructed, you could project trades, but let's not even get in the trades. Boston yeah. doesn't look like they're getting any better. Uh, we have Milwaukee. Did I look like the better? You know, some people forget that they're actually a much older team because we think of yeah. Giannis, but the team itself looks a little older, new coach chemistry. And the way Giannis ended the season was like yeah. looking scared of the ball was a little scary as a Milwaukee, If you're a Milwaukee fan. So I feel now, like they're actually pulling backwards.
0: Now Denver did lose in the first round last year, but as we mentioned, you know, their team had Will Barton as the number two guy. Like, come yeah. on. So you
1: I know. think Denver is a favorite. Um, you look at, who else is like top teams? Uh, So I think Milwaukee's going backwards a little bit. I'd say Boston so, going backwards a little bit. Philly going backwards. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lakers, they pr- so are the arguably the most competitive, but they're old.
0: The next prone. tier is the contenders. So you got the Golden State Warriors at plus 1,200. The 76ers and the Lakers at plus 1,500. So those are those next three teams. Once again, age... Um, They're probably getting rid of Harden from the 76ers. We already talked about Joel Embiid. Once again, age again with Steph Curry, LeBron James, Anthony Davis is going to be a brittle 30-year-old type of deal. Like, that guy's not ready. And then you got the long shots, which is a bigger list. you got the Cavs, Clippers, Heat, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Pelicans. A ton of turmoil outside of Miami.
1: Yeah. Like, you look at those teams, uh, you know, look at, like, the number two seed was Memphis. Okay, they got issues up and down. Um, I don't think I mentioned Phoenix quickly before. I'll quickly top on those. Go back, uh, that. That yeah. team is not working as is. Like, right now, it looks like they're going backwards. You could project. Hopefully, they have a chance if they can get the right bench. Katie's become injury-prone. They don't got a deep enough bench. What's happening with Chris Paul? So they look like they're pulling back. The only mm-hmm. teams I see that are actually getting better aren't good enough. Like, I could say I could project the Kings will be better, but they're not going to be good enough, Right. And if I look, so the majority of the teams are going backwards when Denver's actually should be better next year. They're going to keep their entire team another year. Uh, but most of the players are young in their prime. They could actually get better. Like Jamal Murray could ascend. Jokic, if possible, could get better. Like as far as he's not, his NBA prime is just starting right now. NBA prime is roughly like 26 to 30, something like that. So these guys are all getting better. And all of their contenders are either old, injury prone, have new coaches, or missing something, basically. The only team getting better to me. I could see Sacramento get better. I'd like to see Dallas get better, but they're so mm. far down that better for them is like, oh, cool, we'll make it to the second round. Okay, that that's good. It's a step, but they're they're too far away. Golden State, Steph played an amazing year, arguably his best year ever, personally. It was, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But again, the idea that he's going to get better at his age, best case scenario, he plays the same level. With Clay looking like he's taking a step back, Draymond Green looked like he's taking a step back, Jordan Poole issues like that team's not mm-hmm. getting better, and they couldn't get past the second round. Memphis was a two seed. That team has all sorts of issues that would take an entire podcast. So that team's not competitive. You know, Phoenix has no depth and KD is injury prone. I'll just stick on the West for now. So I'm going in order of two seed, three seed, four seed. You start going down the list, five seed Clippers. Don't even start. I don't want to hear it. And I, what requires injury and stuff. Thank six God. seed, like I said, Sacramento, <laughs> a little better, but too far away. Seven seed, the Lakers, I would say in a vacuum, the Lakers are the closest in the West to me. As far as competing mm-hmm. with Denver, but huge ifs as far as LeBron, another year older. He's got he's starting to get injury prone. He was never injury prone, and he's only as now his later age, he's starting to get it. Anthony Davis injury prone, so what's going on there? I bring them up only because they had the best record in the West after the All-Star break. So they're actually better than a seven seed in my mind. But so many issues there. He dropped to eight seed Minnesota, not worth talking about. That's the West right there. Really, nobody as is to me is can challenge Denver. We they crushed Phoenix, they swept the Lakers, and those two would be the next two in my order. So as is constructed, pre-trade, nobody can challenge Denver in the West. You go to East, I'd say Milwaukee has the best chance of challenging them. And I would still pick Denver if they were playing each other now. And I think Milwaukee is the only team that can strongly challenge Denver. Uh, You know, Miami, I think, is way better than their record. So I would count them as like a top three in the East. We just saw the matchup. It doesn't work. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't trust Boston in the finals coaching issues and whatnot, and I don't see how Philly – I'd like to see Philly get a second round before I even talk about them. So you look at the entire NBA, I think the Bucks are the only team, and only out of respect to Giannis, that I would at least say would be – have a shot. Otherwise, Denver looks like the prohibitive favorite. Not just a favorite, but a prohibitive favorite, mentioning how they went 16-4 in the, in the playoffs, and they should be on track, you know, no injuries or whatnot, stuff like that. They should be on track to possibly start a dynasty.
0: Absolutely agree, Scotty. I think we're just heating up right now. Let's come back for a part two um, and, and talk about this a little bit more. Welcome back, Nerdy Sports audience, to part two of our NBA Finals preview, NBA Playoffs preview for 2023. In part one, we talked a little bit, of course, about Nico Jokic. And the Denver Nuggets winning their first title in their 47 years of their NBA franchise, and we finished off talking about what do we expect for the 2023-2024 season, with just one week away. You know, Scotty and I were breaking down a little bit of the potential contenders. You know, the Phoenix Suns being at the top of the list, and uh, we'll get right back to it. So, yeah, I mean, you were we were basically saying that. At the top of the list, we have the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Suns yeah, as well as the Nuggets. So after game four, I was convinced the Nuggets were going to win. And I was thinking, as was the rest of the world, I'm not like on yeah. an island here, but I was like, all right, it's done. And then all of a sudden, game t- tip hit, and as a fan, I got a little bit of hope, but that quickly got taken away. Um, but the Miami Heat always stick around. Like, good for them. But anyway, we definitely gave them some kudos in part one. Let's, let's, let's give more kudos to Nico Jokic though. Let's give him some more flowers. Um, this is a team, as we mentioned in part one, is competing with the Warriors, the Spurs, and the Lakers in the last 15 years as the only teams who have been 16-4 and four or better in the playoffs. That's elite company. You also mentioned that Jamal Murray has stats equal to LeBron James, Magic Johnson, and Michael Jordan, the greatest players of all time. Now, maybe Jamal Murray is not one of those greatest players of all time, but he's pretty damn good. He's at least smart, and he's been through adversity. And then Nikola Jokic, second-round pick, a man that was a fat boy drinking three liters of Coke a day, not taking his fitness seriously, <laughs> Luka Doncic, please Ooh. walk up. <laughs> that's all I saw a picture
1: of him; he's looking a little better, now.
0: I'm sure he is. Him. Ben Simmons got pecs too, baby. So yeah, that, I, I don't. That doesn't believe, help necessarily. <laughs> I don't believe any any summer workout clips. Zion has some sick dunks. Give me 30 games uh, in the playoffs. Uh, that's what or, or that's crazy. That's not possible. Obviously, we just mentioned 20 is all you need. Give me. Sure. Give me playoff time. Sorry, I'm still a little sick for sure. Sorry, no sports <laughs> audience, but um, what am I saying? So at the end of game four, I was like, this is not only a team that's going to win this year. I'm pretty convinced they're going to win next year. And I started doing research, just like you were saying. And once again, we're on the same page. There's a reason we're friends. It may be a Gemini thing. Who knows? I don't <laughs> believe in those scope stuff, but you know what? True. There's 365 I don't days. <laughs> We're only one day apart. There's something yeah. there. There's something there. So, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty convinced. There's recency bias, of course. But when you have the best player in the world and it, a good coach, like Mike Malone's finally proven, he's not a Mike Bootenhoser. He's not a guy where, like, is this a one-off? Like, is this a Giannis scores 50, you know, and wins the title type of thing? Like, no. Honestly, Niko Jokic had his worst game. His worst game at least assist-wise, um, yeah. of the entire playoffs. And the most frustrating thing, as I mentioned in part one again, when he's on the bench, they were better. Like, what the fuck, guys? Like, come on. Like, you can't make this work. Like, capitalize on Jokic being out. Even when Spolstra did his magic and kept Jimmy Butler and Bam on the court, you have Jimmy Butler and Bam on the court, and Jokic off the court, and somehow you're losing the lead every single time, game over game over game that's not how you win. They're going to be back next year. I'm convinced the Heat are not a long shot. They're not in that Cavs, Clippers, Mavericks, Grizzlies category. Absolute disrespect, but I'm fine. They were disrespected this year too. I'm fine with it. Let's go Heat. They're going to be back next year. But the Bucks, the Celtics and the Suns all with new head coaches, all with turmoil, all with something going on, trying to figure out like, is Chris Middleton going to be able to be healthy? Is Jalen Brown even going to stay around? Is KD going to get hurt? It's super easy for KD to get hurt. I'm putting my money on the Nuggets. The Nuggets aren't going to be our sixth pick when we do the draft next year. That's all I know, unless something happens in the regular season, but this team's ready to go. And they could easily add somebody like Seth Curry, who would be perfect on this team. Like, who wouldn't want to play with Jokic, especially now? They're, they're ready for greatness. What do you have to say? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to play with them? You know, the NBA has become a, a heavy three-point shooting league. And when you got a center that could pass like Jokic, and you also have Jamal Murray, we mentioned double playmakers. It's yeah. so easy to get open shots. And uh, Even though the, the Nuggets kind of bucked the trend. You look at the regular season. They were one of the lowest volume three-point shooters. They went old school, so to say, in twos. And so maybe the two-point shot isn't de- is dead. A little message to the league. But they shot one of the higher percentages because they made sure they got great looks when they took them. as was the regular season. Uh, ironically, last game here, they shoot terrible from three, terrible from the foul line, and still win. And that just shows you how good they are. Like, they were able to beat Miami doing terrible three-point shooting, terrible foul shooting, and they still win. Uh, yeah, you know I think you have to put them as a favorite. It's funny because you mentioned we picked them as the number sixth team to most likely to win just at the start of the playoffs. So, you know, obviously, I guess, uh, you know, we, we were in a category that I think other people were definitely in. of like, I got to see it yeah. first, you know, show me first. Uh, I've been shown. You know, uh, I feel like, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I've seen the light. <laughs> I, am, I am buying all-in here on Denver. I definitely think they have to be the heavy favorites next year. I'm all-in on them. Uh, you know, I mean, they don't need anything. They got all their players in the contract, and they don't need anything else. Every other team seems like they either need something or they took a step back or they have a new coach. There's questions for everybody else. For Denver, it's just answers. It's what is the question? Who is the best player? Denver has the best player. Who has the best combo? You can make an argument Denver has the best combo because Whoa. combos. Oh, well, we'll just let me finish here. No, no, All no. Right.
0: Go, 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 go.
1: Okay. It's off the top of my head without even reading off combos. Does Denver have the best combo? I'm leaning toward yes. And there's a reason why because combos aren't just strictly talent. This isn't just like, yeah, yeah. Give me, of course. Uh, You want talent? Look at Luca and Kyrie. That worked out well, right? No. Right. Combos is also about fitting i want a burger and fries i'm not yes. saying i want two burgers it's gotta yes. fit well yeah. they fit so well together they work so well together i'm sure people are going to probably think katie and booker but that's kind of your turn my turn and mm-hmm. that's a hard strategy to keep up that reminded me almost like a, a little more like lebron and Dwayne wade who are actually mm-hmm. they were just so good they won but they weren't really like a perfect fit
0: but awful name. fit actually
1: yeah. they were that good friends uber
0: talent like but to a player level wise that you almost
1: never seen but but yeah I you mean, know
0: not to yeah. cut you off, but we picked the Suns. So well, actually, I think you picked the Nuggets. But I was like fifty-one percent Suns because I was like, "Well, yeah. you got Katie and Booker. I got to give you some credit here. I always thought they had a solid shot." So once again, yeah, it's not that, and you need more than that. But even just isolating, they are—they're an absolutely combination. Yeah, they fill each other's holes. Um, you know, they—they they make it work for sure. Please continue. Yeah.
1: So I think, you know, it's really important to look at not just talent, like the NBA is a talent league more than other sports. You know, we look at other sports and it is more important. NBA, it, you know, it's showtime, it's dunks, you get memorized, mesmerized by talent. It's so about talent that sometimes you forget, you know, things, whether it be look at Miami, because we, we did, we've got to pay attention to their chemistry, their coaching, their culture, entering a playoff, so they were picked very low. So in that sense, uh-huh. there's a similarity there where it's not just about talent. And I think the combo just works so well between Jokic and Murray. And if you want to talk talent on a combo, you can look at talent as a pool, a point system, first to a hundred, first to 10, however you want to look at it. Well, if okay. Jokic is the best player in the NBA, which I think he is, well then Murray doesn't have to be the, the best number two. He could be say the fifth Best number two player. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I mean by number two? And still be better because Jokic is carrying a heavier load of that because he's so good. So I think between fit, and I don't mean not to come off as an insult to Murray, but I'm saying between fit. And you could say, okay, no. let's say Murray is not as good as Booker. So that would be a, a one-two. A lot of people would say KD and Booker. But well, he doesn't have to be as good as Booker because Jokic is better than Durant by a pretty big margin at mm-hmm. this point in his career.
0: Plus, they're both players, so that are really easy to play with. It's easy to fill a team around them. Yeah. You know, they have homegrown talent right now. They
1: got chemistry. It's been years now. So
0: I want to bring up Christian Braun, a man okay. that is a rookie. Guys, he's a rookie. Here's his last five years. I think he wants you
1: to call him Brown, though, for some reason. It I'm sure.
0: That way. <laughs> There's Bruce Brown and Christian Braun. Until he comes on the podcast, i will get to call him Christian Braun. Open but, invite. Yeah, I guess Christian Brown. Open invite, Christian We love, we love rookies for sure. I think they have some of the most compelling stories though, for sure. Absolutely. So anyway, the last five years for this boy, national title, or sorry, state title, high school, state title, high school, state title, high school. Then he went to Kansas, won the national championship. And then he won the NBA title with the Denver Nuggets. He's a winner, straight up winner. And that's the reason why the Nuggets drafted him. Now, of course they can say that now. Because, you know, he's a fighter, but how many rookies actually can make it work in the NBA finals? How many rookies? Let's pull up the stats here. I think he, he had at least 20 minutes a game. Like, what did he do last night? I don't even care what his stats is, honestly, but why not? 24 minutes. 24 minutes for a rookie. Only Bruce Brown had more minutes coming off the bench. So he's their number seven guy. That's incredible. As a rookie this boy is elite. He won back to back to back to back to back titles. That's a winner. That's the type of guy I want. You know, everybody's going through struggles. Like they, they have Michael Porter Jr., who was like, nobody wanted to touch him because of injury history. And then they got Aaron Gordon as a pretty good deal because he didn't really work as well uh, without, but I mean, come on. It's a definition of you got Jokic, you're going to have the, a career year type of guy. Like, but going back to my point, Murray and Jokic are easy to play with. If you're playing with Katie at, at Booker, you kind of got to sit around a little. They're going to burn the air out of the ball. They're going to take the air out of the ball, as they say. There's a lot of dribbling. Kyrie's hard to play with. Luka's hard to play with. You're just trying to sit there. That's why I'm looking at these stats. I'm like, wait, the Heat are on the level of the Mavericks? While Kyrie Irving is begging to be a Laker, or actually, he's begging for LeBron to be a Maverick, which is absolutely impossible. But good for you, Kyrie, continue to be yourself, flat earther you are. Go, power to you. But this team is filled with role players. They're just well balanced. Even DeAndre Jordan got three minutes off the bench. He got a nasty block on Gabe Vincent. I think it was like he he was a good role player. But then on the other end, you know the heat was scrapping the whole year. We we've already talked about this past couple of podcasts, but obviously all the undrafted guys, everybody knows that they were of all the playoff teams, the most injured team. So they're pretty much like the 2022 uh, Denver nuggets, you know, and then they had Cody Zeller who in one minute last night, minus five, the heat sucked with that one minute. Like why even put him in like, come on, but you know why or are they going to put in, you know, Jovic, Yo, Yurtseven, they didn't even put in Tyler Hero. Like, obviously, you know, uh, Heat fans could be like, "Oh, we didn't have Victor Oladipo, we didn't have Tyler Hero," and yeah, that would have helped for sure. But I think a Damian Lillard type of player, I think we gave enough. I have a question for you. Do sure. you think, let's say, the Heat could Damian Lillard? Let's say okay. a, a reasonable deal, I guess, would be no Gabe Vincent, no Max Strus no Robinson yeah.
1: say they give up a uh, Tyler hero. Um,
0: sure. That makes picks. more sense. Actually. Yeah.
1: They hero a bunch of picks and maybe if they had to one of the players you just mentioned, but they could keep most of their shooters.
0: I hope they could keep somebody like, I, I guess I'm answering my question for myself, but you got Jimmy, you got Bam, you got Damian Lord. Like most people are like, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. But we've already said on the opposite end, Denver, you need role players. You need these guys to fit. Bruce Brown helped them win a championship. He's almost equally valuable. Like, like obviously, Nikola Jokic got the MVP, but Michael Porter Jr. had a sick game after sucking you know, most of the series. But he was 16 and uh, 13 tonight. 16 points, 13 rebounds with a guy with a rod in his back. Like, he did pretty damn good. Aaron Gordon locked up Jimmy Butler could have gotten MVP, you know, status type of part and Andre Iguodala type of MVP. We've already talked about Mary. I think we talked about the Denver Nuggets a lot. Let's close out with the heat. Um, what do you think they can do? Let's say they get Damian Lord and. and this is yeah, just a good a, um,
1: yeah. random thing trade. Okay. Say they trade mm-hmm. Tyler hero and say they have to give up um, Caleb Martin and then a bunch of picks. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that it. Miami team—they still got Gabe Vincent, they still got Struts, they still got Duncan Robinson, they got Jimmy, they got Bam. I think that team. I don't think Vegas would give them enough respect because Vegas just doesn't like Miami. Uh, going <laughs> Vegas, I would think that they're the best team in East. Yeah. And with a and because of, a rock paper scissors, and what what I mean by that is, I would think the best team say record-wise probably the number one seed still goes to milwaukee but miami matches up really well with milwaukee if i'm the bucks i i'm like man i hope the playoffs next year i can find a way to avoid them and maybe i can get lucky maybe somebody else can take them out i just don't think that's a good matchup for them i could see in this situation after a trade plays out i could see miami being more like a two or three seed even because you might say regular season you got to gel and miami thinks about the playoffs they don't care about the regular season so they're not going to worry about the seeding they're going to say okay we got a gel we got new players you got to get loaded going. So let's say Miami was like a three seed because they lost mm-hmm. some games early. I see Milwaukee being the one seed because that's just what they do. And then if you're Milwaukee, you don't want to face Miami because they just match up well. They put up that wall. They, they are the best team at like slowing the down. You can't shut them down. Mm-hmm. I, I, you could argue is it in his head now after throwing that ball out of bounds, like looking scared, maybe. And I think they would have the best chance to win the East getting out of the playoffs. I don't think they would be a number one seed when teams make big trades. I tend to take time When they lose it in the beginning. They normally open up. They have to gel. It's not uncommon for UCD big trades and team to open up. Look at LeBron. Every time LeBron joins a new team, he like opens up like 10 and 10. And then the next 60 games, they kind of take off. So Mm -hmm. I think they would be somewhere around a three seed, but I would actually pick them to win the East.
0: I think 3C would be on the higher end, but I hear what you're saying. They're not going to be the number one overall C type of team. But like, I think it's still nuts how much we still are sleeping on the Nuggets. Like obviously they're going to get their flowers today. I'm sure I haven't watched like, you know, Colin Coward show or, or Nick Wright show or anything like that. But, you know, of course driving to the Hamptons today, I was listening to some podcasts and I put on Bill Bill Simmons, as I already mentioned before, you know, him talking to Doc Rivers and I put on Zach Lowe's podcast, which he, you know, breaks it down with Brian Windenhorst uh, right after the game. The funny thing was when uh, the player of scouting for the Nuggets He's not a drinker, but he might as well have been drunk because the amount of champagne that was poured all over this guy—it <laughs> <laughs> was hilarious. He came over, and then some other dude that was like their twelfth bet on the bad shot. or whatever. remember. I think it was a rookie. He was like smoking a cigar. It was a good old time. But yeah, he came over and he was like, "We got to give kudos to you know our player development, like other guys. He was he was putting on. It's not just one dude, but like you know to go and and focus on European players too." Like, you know, we got the NBA draft coming next week and Victor Weminyama all of a sudden has more credit than Nikola Jokic had like three years ago. You know, (laughs) we're like, oh, this guy's going to be better than Kareem. It's like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes a little bit. But that's the difference between a number one pick and then a second round pick. It takes us a while. We have to see it, you know. And if we we give you talent, we're like, okay, we see talent. We give you some kudos like right off the bat. we give you a longer leash um, and then all of a sudden those undrafted players like the guys in Miami, you know, it takes us a while, but Miami doesn't care about that. They don't care about your status. Uh, they, they more care about your fitness. They weigh you every day. They pinch your fat. They make sure like you could run up and down the court and they're just a good organization. I got so much faith in this team and I think they're going to make it happen. I think my question was mainly like, is Damian Lillard going to make them a better team? And of course he is. He's absolutely elite. Um, I hope he finally gets that. At least, I don't know. At least I hope they don't have to give up too much. Um, The Blazers are one of those teams going back to my tier list. The Blazers are for some reason in that like mid tier, the Hawks, Bulls, Nets, Blazers, Thunder, Jazz, Spurs. Um, you know, really super, super long shot, but they're not the trash teams like the Rockets, Wizards, Hornets, Magic, Pistons, and Pacers. Um, yeah. But that's probably mainly because of Damian Lord. So this is all going to change really quick, but I think the Miami Heat got a really solid shot of making it again. And I think the Denver Nuggets are the heavy favorite. They should not be plus 460 equal odds as the Bucks. Giannis is great. But Nikola Jokic has proven to be better, mainly because of his ability to make other people better. And that's the number one thing that Doc Rivers was talking about with Joel Embiid. And he has faith, or at least he's saying the right things. You know, he's like, all Joel Embiid needs to do to take his game to the next level is the ability to make everybody around you better. And that's the thing that Nikola Jokic has done since he was a little baby.
1: Yeah, and, the, you know, we're talking... I I'm nitpicking here because Giannis is amazing and during this year most people consider him the best player. Some people had Jokic, but a lot of people I'd say leaned Giannis. Yeah. Uh like Giannis, there's at least a shot of slowing him down because you can make him shoot. Like Ray sure. really has no weaknesses. If it was like if a two K game, him. every stat is every stat is like maxed out. Like you can't foul him, he could shoot threes, he shoots the foul mm-hmm. shots. You know, Giannis has a foul mm-hmm. problem. Giannis's threes are not great occasionally you can make them so there's at least a shot of slowing them down and you know you can do a slow them down you can't stop them yeah but yoga just like there's nothing you also I'm, I'm just talking bucks here because that's vegas has the bucks up really high. you say okay well let's just talk now well, let's go down the team uh i think murray is way better than middleton like no mm-hmm. there are some people might say he's drew holiday at number two either way i will take murray over either one depending on you go Drew holiday is
0: getting sneaky old though you know that as things. See, mm-hmm. the Bucks Same are getting
1: old. You know, outside of Giannis, the Bucs are getting older. Brooke Lopez, I was going to mention him, like he had a great year. Uh mm-hmm. it looked a little bit like a contract year now. He was playing kind of above his uh average. He did have a great year. Not trying to take it away, but you know, we've seen it before. So, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Like we've seen players that have this great year out of contract year, and he's getting older. So I'm anticipating he pull back a little bit. I think mm-hmm. Drew Holiday pulls back a little bit. He was known for lockdown. Some people are saying he's the best one-on-one guard defender, and Jimmy cooked him like a rotisserie chicken. He was just turning him over left and right, cooking him, throwing barbecue sauce on him. I mean, <laughs> that was that was bad. So yeah, I look at that. Yeah. You know, Middleton, he's good, but he had the injury. He didn't feel like he was 100%. He was missing games here and there. As a roster, and now you throw in a new coach, lack of chemistry as a roster. Mm-hmm. No, no, I I think a Denver has to be it should not be equal in vegas you have to give denver even if it's a small amount i'd give them a bigger favorite but like at least a you know four 400 to 450 compared to being they said they both are like 440 i don't think that's fair yeah they're or both right.
0: 460 yeah okay yeah no, i agree man we're on the same page for sure so nerdy sports audience next week. I definitely want to come back and we're going to talk about the NBA draft. We're only nine days away from the NBA draft. Tonight is very likely the last game of the NHL playoffs as well. You got the Vegas Golden Knights likely to win the title in just a couple of hours. It is 6.30 p.m. on Eastern Standard Time right now. And the game's an hour and a half. And we had a Novak Djokovic winning the French Open um, like more, more than likely due to Carlos Alcaraz's injury, he was severely, uh, limited once he had muscle cramps. And I know Scotty, you're not as locked in as tennis, but I like to sprinkle in other sports just a little bit. Yeah. We'll mainly talk about basketball, but this boy, Carlos Alcaraz, right. He's 20 years old. He's the number one player in the world. Clay court specialist. He's like the new Rafa Nadal. Basically a guy that's like the greatest Mm -hmm. French Open player of all time. Novak Djokovic is the Nikola Jokic of the NBA kind of deal. And they also have similar names, Djokovic and Jokic. Um, But, you know, he won the French Open. Good for him. And on the other side, Igo Swiatek, uh, the number one player in the world. On the women's side, also won. So no surprise there. We're a month away from Wimbledon, which is the grass court uh, tournament. One of my favorites as well. And uh, we we got a lot of sports coming up for sure. So despite the NHL season being mm-hmm. over, despite the NBA season over, MLB season is almost officially starting now. But there's still going to be a lot to talk about, nerdy sports audience. I hope you can come back for more. Uh, before I mean before we I, end, I, are there anything anything else you want to talk about? We got plenty of time.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I just got to say because it popped in my head, and I, I don't follow tennis that much, but I read that between Nadal, Federer, all right. Okay. And Djokovic, they've yeah. won 65 of the last 80 major tournaments.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like they said to put that in perspective, if you were to compare it to another sport, people that don't watch tennis, that would be the equivalent of three NBA teams winning 17 of the last 20 championships. Like like that is insane. And and it could actually be higher if you think about the fact that um if you think about the fact that due to COVID, you know, uh, Djokovic missed a couple tournaments that yeah, he yeah. might have won, actually. Yeah. So it could even be higher. Now that, that there's never been a level of dominance on any sport, and it was not one person, but basically by a small group. It'd be like if golf, if there was like, it would almost be like if there were two Tiger Woods playing at the same time. When it was exactly you know, a couple people that would just dominate in the field to such a level that you could literally just say, if you bet just those three people every mm-hmm. time. Because even though they heavy favorites, you normally get better than plus 300. So you could bet $100 say, on all of them. You would have made a ton of money if you just bet them on every single tournament. For the past, I think it went back 23 years or something, like going back to Federer's prime. Insane stat. Uh, I, I read that, and I, I did a double take. I was like, wait, 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 am I reading this correctly?
0: No, you're right, man. They are absolutely dominant. And that's what's so amazing about Carlos Alcaraz. For a guy to, you know, I mean, all right, now Federer's retired. A breakthrough. Rafa Nadal is super old. He's going to get yeah. there eventually, but he's a LeBron James type of athlete where he's just so elite that it's going to be, it's going to take him a long time to retire. And almost Novak Djokovic is like Steph Curry um, in terms of just a man that like, takes care of his fitness and often wins points based on just like his longevity, his duration, yeah. the, the grind, and his ability to just fully understand his competition. He's really good at that. Um, he's actually not the number one player in the world. Carlos Alcaraz is the number one player in the world. And there's also this guy, Danil Medvedev, who's a, a Russian, who is super tall, super elite as well. So we got the new rising stars coming up. And there's another guy, Stefano Tsitsipas, who one of my brother's favorites, you know, he's a Greek freak type of thing but you know, <laughs> unlike Giannis, he's a little scrawny you can't really have guys that big <laughs> play tennis. They, they run around a lot. You know, these are guys yeah. that potentially could play three, four five hours at a time. And there's nothing else, you know, there's nobody else there for them, you know, and that's what was so tough about Alcaraz. So it was one, one after two sets and then early in the third set, like, uh, Alcaraz just heavy, heavy cramps, and they gave him pickle juice, and it just didn't work out. It was like, it was. I was so excited to watch the match, and then it was severely disappointing seeing what's happening. But I always want to let the nerdy sports audience know what's going on in the world of sports as a whole. You know, I'm not the biggest F1 fan, but I'll, I'll try to do a little research as it comes up, and I think. Scotty and I are, are are always about the numbers and the odds and that's why it's a nerdy sports type of thing too. So when it comes to the NBA draft, I, I want to give you guys a deep dive, give you some secrets and if you're lucky enough to tune in early and find the podcast early, come back early because we're going to give you some easter eggs, some new some bets to make, you know? We already know who's going number 1 and the top 3 is pretty locked up, but hopefully we can make you boys some money. Ladies and gentlemen, not just boys. I hope there's some ladies watching too. Um, But as always, Scotty. Keep it nerdy. Peace. Peace out.